definitely creating content that helps people is really the solution. What really works is building a community, consistently doing events like webinars, and producing content specifically for certain categories. You earn that raise and you earn that job. Welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. I hope you're doing well. Today, we have Jan Utjen today uh, joining me. Good afternoon, Jan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Justin. Thank you for coming on the show. So, Jan, you hold a few uh, positions on your very attractive LinkedIn profile, but uh, essentially you're the CEO of Mail and Media, which is part of United Internet in Germany, and also the chairman of the European Net ID Foundation. So it's a pleasure to have you on. We're going to talk today about um, both the challenges and the opportunities of AI in the world of marketing and also uh, the impacts of data there. Before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit about the NetID Foundation and yeah, what, what the foundation hopes to achieve? Yeah, so the foundation is a um, unification of uh, several companies. It was founded uh, five years ago by uh, RTL Group, ProSiemens Adines, uh, uh, leading t- private TV stations in Germany and uh, United Internet. And um, so the core idea behind it was to create an open ecosystem for IDs that everyone uh, uh, from the user side can use, sign up to, gives you a transparent um, use of your data and of your ID. On the other side, it gives a transparent access um, uh, to the players in the markets, so the marketing companies and the publishers um, to found these open ecosystems for matching data with AI, with, with IDs. Great. And what what challenges are there being seen at the moment? What sort of discussions are you having in the foundation about uh, the market changes at the moment? So market changes at the moment, uh, of course, you see you know, the, the trend marching towards the closed ecosystems. So that's for the reason why we've, we've seen this happening um, uh, years ago, uh, especially with the dying cookies. Uh, it was quite clear that the industry needed a separate, different standard than third-party cookies. And um, so in order to have a replacement for that uh, as an open standard, um, that's why we set up this this organization. So key challenges uh, are now we've been quite successful in acquiring publishers, so over 70 publishers taking part in this uh, foundation, supporting that. We have uh, almost 15 million active users already uh, on the system, so that's been working pretty well. Uh, and now it's uh, up to the next stage to get advertisers linked up to the network um, so that advertisers start using this ID ecosystem uh, and uh, help their campaigns uh, to improve and to leverage the huge opportunity of AI that AI is bringing to marketing. Is that 15 million people, are they only based in Germany or is that throughout the whole of Europe? It's, pre- it's predominantly Germany at the moment, So, but we're also talking to other countries like Austria, the context of France, um, to expand that uh, association there and looking for partners also to launch that net ID in other, in other markets. Brilliant. And is the found, I mean, the, the, the key, the, the secret, I suppose, is in the title of foundation. So is net ID non-for-profit uh, organization or is it a, a different way of doing something? Yes, yeah, it's, an, it's an association. So it's um, uh, built as an open system. So the company as itself is not there to make money. 
and it's mainly to build an infrastructure that everybody can participate and everybody can use and uh, setting the standards how you handle open ids in this network um, and everybody who has signups or ids uh, can contribute to the system the user can decide whether he wants the net id his, his id to also be used on the on the uh, on the open system of the net id okay Jan. so just out of interest how did how did those 15 million individuals um, become, you know, part part of that uh, database and part of users that give their permissions? It's quite simple. If you have an ID, so for example, you registered with uh, WebDO GMX, um, you can use your login credentials for other sites. Um, they'll ask you if you want to activate NetID. Uh, if you agree to, then you can use the same credentials, same login on, on uh, any site that is supporting uh, integrating that standard. So that's how simple how simple it works, and um, then you have a transparent overview um, on your net on your WebD or on your GMX account, and you can see which permissions you've been giving to which company, and uh, you can also withdraw them in this permission center. So um, you can keep track and good overview over who's using your, your data and who you gave it to. Great. Okay. And how deep does that data go? Because before we uh, set up the podcast today, we also had a chat earlier about some of the big players in the market, like the Netflix and, and the Meta and, and the Googles who, who just know so much, how yeah. much uh, information is available? Uh, so generally, it's the uh, first, the only standard that, that uh, you can transfer through NetID is uh, the normal uh, data sets of um, uh, your profile information that you want to share or you don't want to share. Uh, but then with the ID, it depends on uh, which level of uh, data the individual gives to each and every company. So if you say, okay, this company can use all my data and my behavioral data and my tracking data um, so they can use it. If you say, okay, only behavioral data or uh, limited tracking data, then you can only use that. So it's an individual setting um, that uh, every person takes with the regarding company of uh, level of the level of data that they can use and attribute to this ID. So it's uh, as a net ID says, it doesn't carry any data in itself. It just builds, uh, I would say, the highway um, where you can attach data to your profile. So it's just standardizing this ID profile so that uh, companies and users can attach data to this profile and can use it on any site that they give permission to. Gotcha. And how many challenges do you think it's bringing to the market when we speak about the, the bigger players who um, are dominating in, in this space, and as I've mentioned before, like the, the you know the Metas and the Googles, what challenges is that bringing, especially in Europe? Yeah, I think Europe we have a, um, a long history on, on, on debating and fighting over GDPR implementations. I think most recent um, uh, settings, new settings with uh, Facebook or Meta. Uh, where they basically, uh, you know, release the two options. You have to pay or you have to agree and or pay with data, if you want to put it that way. Um, I think it's a good example for the long ride, um, that the big U.S. players have been, have been taken in Europe. And, uh, now they're being more and more forced to comply, uh, with, uh, with the meaning of, uh, of, of the GDPR, meaning that they have to collect opt-ins for the use of data. Um, so. This is the kind of era we prepared this foundation for already uh, five years ago because we saw this comment say that the cookie is going to vanish. Uh, and secondly, that, um, you know, in this permission world, you need permissions. And if you talk permissions, you need IDs to A, attach permissions to this ID and secondly, to touch data to this ID. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Uh, and if you know, the industry fails to generate open standards for an ID, um, they will 
they will have to completely rely on the closed ecosystems um, of the big uh, ID and uh, login players, uh, especially Google, Facebook, uh, partly Amazon. So every company that has their audience logged in uh, and and able to identify. Um, So, uh, you know, if the industry doesn't come up with an open standard, um, then you're forced uh, to play in these closed ecosystems with all your marketing dollars and with all your data play. Uh, I think that could be quite harmful for the industry because, a, of course, you're um, you know completely exposed with everything you do to a partner, uh, and secondly, uh, I think it will harm uh, innovation. Uh, so, if the innovation is is left with only three companies because everybody else can just uh, optimize their campaigns based on the data they get out of out of these networks. Um, then it's very hard for startups or for any other company to really bring data to the table and uh, really apply the huge opportunities that this new mass data and AI uh, era uh, is bringing to marketing. Yeah, it does feel like it's uh, moving to that uh, oligopoly situation. I hope I'm using the correct term for it, but they're yeah. having the, the majors that are really dominating and not giving uh, other other organizations a chance like they become they become do, too dominant um are there any yeah, short to midterm goals for net id in terms of you know how many users uh, are you know available and and um yeah country wise you think the potential is quite quite big still so um just the the, the, comp- the, the number of people that already have a net id um implemented with them so it's all webde gmx users uh, for example so it's over um uh, almost 40 million uh users in, in central europe uh, already have that net id they just need to activate it so on any other on, on other sites um so i think uh, getting it out going after that potential i think is one goal for us uh and then uh, you know getting more publishers especially advertisers uh, having advertisers join the network um uh, to uh, get this cycle going over uh you know better targeting uh and giving people more relevant ads uh on their publisher side so i think that's the key for the industry um to get the relevance up and uh, also to be able uh, to uh, leverage the, the, the big opportunity that AI, AI is bringing so that you are you know, not limited to one campaign that, that fits all, uh, but are able to really customize your message, customize your campaign to your regarding audi- audience. And uh, as we all know, that this is going to boost um, a, a performance of the campaign. And secondly, uh, especially satisfaction of the user with that advertising, because uh, you know, most people don't mind advertising unless it's irrelevant to them. And I think that's, that's key to the market uh, to change that. Indeed, yes. Um, and you used the analogy of the, the, the Volkswagen ad, which we'll, we'll touch on in a moment. So indeed, if advertising is is more relevant to a user, it will be less annoying, more engaging. It will mean less wastage for the organization. It will mean everybody uh, benefits in that sense and, and, and conversions will increase, for example. Um, so absolutely agree with you on that one. Then you, you mentioned before about the, the, the Volkswagen analogy. So maybe you could tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I think this is one of the huge opportunities of AI is, is the basically endless varieties of, of marketing campaigns of messages you can generate. So, and, um, uh, this can also both go for, for, uh, 
performance campaigns, uh, obviously. So having different messages uh, for different user groups or just testing different messages uh, at large scale. So not talking about A, B tests, you're talking about A to Z tests. And you can repeat and repeat over and over and over. Um, and uh, this will have a, have, already has a massive uh, impact on the click rates and everything. Um, so that's one thing and quite obvious how you can run AI or get AI to um, improve your performance campaigns. But um, on image campaigns as well, there's a huge leverage there as well. So, uh, you know, the famous example, you, uh, you know, if you look at, at car ads, let's say in the major upper scale cars um, in, in, in Germany, you only see one driver. So uh, if it's the BMW, it's a Mercedes, or it's a Volkswagen, or an Audi, uh, you always have the same driver. So you say mid-aged, nice guy, but not too nice, Uh, you know, elder, but not too old, a little sporty, but not too sporty, little conservative, but not too conservative. So you end up always with this middle of the road, one character driving that car. So you can't really touch the variety of your your target group. So say if you have a car group of, of 10 million people, uh, even for 10 million people, you find that one character that is probably most most middle of the road, uh, most agreeable for everyone. Uh, and that's why it's so hard just to, to even uh, to have a, have a car campaign. Um, it's probably having a woman as a driver, right? Because um, the target group uh, potentially is too small, but you carve out everything that's left and right of that of that media and profile that you use. So um, as content production or especially creative production um, through AI, uh, gets so cheap and so easy uh, to modify your models, to modify the driver of a car. Um, so I think there's a huge leverage uh, for brand campaigns, not to come up with this one middle-of-the-road character um, uh, that is least disturbing for everyone, uh, but to really come up with characters that are exactly tailored for that target group or just for starting with easy things for the gender group. Um, and uh, so that's, I think, the big leverage we're going to see. And uh, if you want to activate this potential in your campaigns then you need to be able to target to target your your audience and uh, so the second part is that matchmaking uh, and that requires uh, massive data <laughs> the id to really identify your users and also uh, you know if the user sees that campaign again ideally he sees the same driver uh, in that car uh, that he's seen before so um you know see this is i think perfect example um if you want to really uh, unlock the potential of ai in, in marketing um you need the foundation that consists of a consistent id and open id that everyone can access and not only access uh, in the one or two quick closed ecosystems um and secondly uh, the ability to match data your own data with this id of course with the consent of the user um, but uh, that's kind of the highway uh, we need uh, in, in order to have, have any car driving or any data set driving in this new ecosystem um, that we have open standards uh, for IDs. And uh, I think this is very important, uh, A, for the industry, uh, but also uh, probably for politicians to really look at uh, regulations. How can you make sure um, that we're not ending up in a, just a few closed ecosystems with locked-in IDs and locked-in players because that's going to harm innovation. Future First is sponsored by SalesSource, B2B pipeline management and sales growth for your business. You mentioned there, there are some really valid points, and I think um, the, the combination of the, the, the data piece and, and the creative piece with using um, AI is is a very valid one. So um, I think there's a there's a worry though, especially maybe more so amongst creatives, is that um, 
the the cost of producing creative is going to come down significantly the complexity of the of the outcome is is uh, the potential there is absolutely huge um and then they could be producing multiple different ad sets for example for different groups um in in combination with that data some some people are worried there there are you know some challenges there how how would you say that uh, organizations need to deal with that worry yeah, I think it's, it's on the one side, as, as we said, it's, it's a huge opportunity, right? So the cost of um, producing creatives will go down dramatically. I don't see you know, teams flying to South Africa in the winter or, or finding spots in the summer uh, where you have your photo shootings because it's, it's going to be much cheaper um, to have the eye support your, your campaign shoot. So there's, for organization, of course, there's the cost side. There's a huge opportunity on scaling variety. And, um, of course, um, there's the debate on, uh, is this going to kill labor? Is this going to create new labor? And I think, um, you know, there's a famous saying. So I think the next wave of, of uh, change, um, there's a, won't be a person, uh, there won't be the AI taking your job directly. It will be taken by, by a person that is able to use the AI to make a better job or to make the same uh, output uh, for a lower price. Um, so I think that's going to be the first big, wave or evolutional wave so i think it's for organization is really um, educating their staff educating their teams on how to use ai how to leverage those tools um and i think it's a, it's a duty or an obligation of every company um uh, to help their uh, all their employees um to use these tools so it's, i would compare a little bit like you know to using a computer so um and we all grew up with that um but a couple of decades ago that was a big shift when uh, people had to shift from from typewriters to a computer um right. if you were, weren't able to use a computer uh, you would probably wouldn't have a job uh, didn't have a job five years later and I think it's the same with AI on those jobs, especially on those creative jobs. Um, and, and you know, the guys or the, the the teams that are doing the photo shootings, um, you know, really educating them on uh, how you can support that in the first stage uh, with AI, or how you can outsource um, that to the AI. And then I think there's even more jobs to do because uh, you know, the, in the old world, you had just one creative, you had just one shot of you know, using that example of of, of that car with that not too young, not too old, not too sportive, not too conservative driver. Um, yet there's one photo and that was it, right? So in the future, well, you're probably going to 10, 15 photos um, uh, that you have to test with your audience, that you have to find the right right audience for, you have to match that to the right people. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, just uh, the labor will remain. It will just be to have a different character in the future. And I think that's where organizations have the obligation um, to educate their employees and give them the chance um, to be a part of this uh, of this innovation cycle. Excellent quote there, yeah. And you said the label will remain, but the nature of work will essentially be different. And I and I have a tendency to agree with that. And um, you you also mentioned there about doing shoots in in South Africa because it's cheaper. And I think loads of car commercials and lots of commercials in general are shot in in South Africa during the winter months in Europe. And it's uh, you know they fly teams over, etc. So there's also going to be just a shift and an impact on how these things are done. Um, those shoots may not be needed anymore, but as you mentioned, there'll need to be teams of experts that are working on these sorts of projects. So, um, that, that's a, that's a very valid point. And, and if we look back in history at the introduction of machinery into the uh, manufacturing world, it's not as if the 
manufacturing market has has shrunken is it it's it's just changed and there's still hundreds of thousands of people working in in manufacturing in, in Europe but the the nature has changed hasn't it yeah absolutely i think it's a perfect analogy so um you know just taking this south african shooting again we all seen or had these projects so you have all the time team flying down there you know, they say you get okay. We have to extend for another week because the weather was too bad. We didn't get the right light. We didn't get uh, whatever. Then the permission for shoots uh, expired, and and whatever. You just have this one road. If you have a car shooting, that you can even you have to close down roads for a car shooting and everything. So I think I see that uh, that all vanishing because um, you know the, the AI will, will will draw you a much better picture with some support of, uh, you know, the photographer will have a completely different job. So he probably still has to take a photo on the, of the car. We probably do that on, uh, in, 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 in front of a green screen um, and have that then projected uh, into the right scenery. Um, so um, the work you did for this one shoot, for this one uh, commercial, uh, of which one is uh, 15 seconds, 30 seconds remain, um, uh, you have, I, I could see that having 15, 20 variances of that. So each variance probably will only take tens of the time, but you can produce 10 times the output. Right. So, um, I think that's the core, um, that's the core of, of, of this uh, fundamental shift we're seeing with AI. Um, uh, that is not about substituting one by one, uh, tasks. So the tasks will still have to be driven by humans. Uh, it's just the opportunities or the company will be most successful. Uh, that is able to leverage that not just from a cost perspective, but also from a value perspective and um, you know, creating uh, dozens of different variances uh, from, from the same uh, spot will at the end of the day perform better uh, than having the same time invested into just finding the one ideal middle of the road variance um, of, of your creative uh, that we had in the past. Absolutely. What is uh, what does the future hold? Um, you know, for the for for the NetID Foundation, are there any? I mean, this is future fuzz, right? And it's about thinking about what's happening in the future. Is there anything exciting that we should look out for in the future? Yeah, I think next year will be a very exciting year for for the NetID or for any anyone working with with um, with data because uh, we all know that Chrome uh, is probably going to shut down. The last browser is going to shut down um, uh, third party cookies. Um, so from from there on, uh, the whole industry um, is blind, right? So you don't have any any um, measurement anymore. You don't have any technology left to identify users across sites, and uh, so it's it's uh, definitely high time pressure for every company to to lay out a data strategy uh, and uh, really cope with that. So how do I how am I going to find my audience? Um, how am I going to integrate that into my shop systems? Um, because it's not just the creative. So I mean, imagine. Uh, you know, a fashion shop, right? So, working, working, having worked at at, at e-commerce companies, and uh, how difficult it was uh, to find the right model. Um, obviously, you end up with the middle of the motor, uh, road model for for each and every campaign you're running, or for the shootings uh, of the products you have in a new website. So, um, if you run a shop, um, you know, with with the help of AI, you can have the ideal model that you identify with, and you can have the same uh, products, the same. Uh, fashion uh, presented by 15 different models because you just need to change the head and, and that's it. Um, so if you want to leverage this huge opportunity, you need an, you need an ID system outside of your own shop system um, uh, that is working and is allowing you to identify your users and uh, to also follow the user with the right models, with the right products, with the right campaigns and refine them 
all over the net. Otherwise, um, you know, this new technology, this new, this new potential is limited uh, to a few closed ecosystems that are building shop interfaces <laughs> accidentally um, because they know exactly that this is the next big wave. And uh, right now, um, these innovations would be limited uh, to a few players or to a few publishers. Uh, and I think that would be a big failure for, for every player um, if you don't act now and build yourself uh, an independent open system that you can use outside uh, the few two or three uh, closed gardens. When is Chrome actually going to make that change finally? Because I can't. I feel like it's been a long time coming. I mean, we just need to look at. You know what I mean? <laughs> if we look at the situation, uh, uh, yeah, where Apple made changes uh, and it massively impacted Meta, and uh, which in turn brought down a lot of uh, e-commerce, uh, small e-commerce shops. Right? They couldn't handle that. They their revenues dropped off a cliff, and many of them shut down because of the impacts of, of the, the changes that Apple made. But yes. Jan, when is it going to happen? Well, hopefully, you know. Yeah, so I mean, it's, 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 before I answer that, I think it's a, uh, you, you made a funny, funny uh, quote that was also with you know Apple um, uh, shutting down or being the first company to shut down third-party IDs because uh, for them it was quite easy because they didn't make any money off it, right? So uh, and and after shutting down the IDs, uh, they made money off it because. Uh, the revenues of their uh, the, of the ads in their app stores just exploded. So they, right. I think, like thirty folded or fifty folded by then. So they built up a ten billion euro business just with ads in their app store because the only literally way overnight, it, right? Literally, literally overnight, overnight, it just was skyrocketing overnight because you make everybody blind, um, so everybody has to buy the light from you, and this is exactly what happens with with, with uh, Apple's. Uh, 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 Apple shutting down uh, the identifiers and uh, on, the, on the on the iOSs and uh, and the cookies. Um, so uh, that partly explains why Google uh, has been uh, hesitating uh, quite a few years uh, to follow that. So I think the first time they set a deadline to, it was already early this year. Um, so they postponed it for another year. So I said it's going to start uh, beginning twenty four. Now it looks like it's really finally over in Q3 24. Um, and uh, my prediction would be that they're going to stick to that deadline this time. Um, so that's probably uh, first half of the year 2024 is the last time we see third-party cookies really working on the internet. It feels like a long breakup, Jan. And when you said that it will be Q3 in 2024, I heard you breathe a little sigh of relief there. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, as I have a, I have a, uh, what to say? Uh, of course, we also still uh, make make quite some money with third party cookies uh, in, in our business. So, uh, therefore, one of my uh, eyes is uh, having some tears for that. On the other side, uh, you know, um, an old technology sometimes has to come to an end, so that everybody embraces the future and. Uh, uh, is is finally understanding that they have to build alternatives. Um, so uh, that's my laughing eye there. Uh, so I think for the whole market, it will be, um, you know, a massive change uh, to the one if it's really shut off. And I think a lot of companies always wait till the last second, it's a little like the GDPR compliance. So everybody knew it was coming, but uh, then all of a sudden you have uh, had a lot of hectic in the market uh, when the deadline came closer. Uh, so here, I think the deadline has been pretty clearly expressed by Google. And um, so I hope that this time people, companies will be prepared better than uh, uh, for, for the last major changes uh, in data handling with GDPR. Um, but of course, a lot of companies probably just 
try out and see the first days when their um, tracking system, everything go blind uh, and they don't have any data left because they have no, no idea ID to, to attach any data to. Uh, and uh, then hopefully we'll wake up uh, and look out for new technologies uh, and hopefully for the net ID, uh, which I believe is, is one of the best solutions in the market. Brilliant. Yeah, with, with great crises comes a uh, great opportunity, as the old Chinese proverb says. Yeah, and it's been an... A- it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you on the podcast today. And um, well, hopefully we can catch up again uh, at the end of 2024 and discuss about the, the changes that have finally arrived. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Yes, thank you very much, Justin. Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.